thyself is dedicated to the exploration of the most rewarding task an individual can ever embark on, the journey to find oneself. Our intention is to investigate the universal principles that have equipped our species to seek the treasure of all treasures, self-knowledge. With your host, Daniel and Eduardo, this is the Know Thyself Podcast. It's all good. Um, all good. Cool. Welcome to the Know Thyself podcast. Then I am Eduardo. I'm here with Daniel. Hello. And hey, man. Uh, always a pleasure to see you on this wonderful Sunday morning, man. I uh, I've had a lot of questions leading up to the the finale of Scorpio, and I think now, as you just mentioned before we recorded, how we'd be having this open conversation. These are some of my favorites because, you know. Breaking down the labors are always uh, a process and always, you know, a journey that we both have to go on separately to come together and make sure everything matches up. But with this, I'm excited to just break down, you know, all the questions I've had reserved for Scorpio and, and you know, what um, what it all goes into because there's there's a lot of things we haven't brought up yet, you know, and I know that death and rebirth is something that we sort of alluded to with um, the last two episodes, but I definitely have some uh, curiosities about this death and what that death actually represents and and also what this energy is really doing for, you know, the coming of a new um, way of spirit, you know, if we really understand how to overcome the lower self. And so those two things are super important to me to kind of open up a discussion with you about. I know we talked about how we may conclude the episode today, and that's also exciting because I had questions about, you know, planetary energies that affect um, the sign that we're in in the eighth house and, you know, how it affects everybody right now going through it. And so without further ado, let's do this. Cool. Yeah, man. Absolutely. And this is exciting um, to, you know, have this third conversation on Scorpio. But truth be told, this is this is like the hundredth conversation we've had on Scorpio. Because the entire podcast of Know Thyself is a podcast based on the esoteric and the occult, which is ruled by Scorpio. And then Scorpio also rules investigating and looking deeper into things, um, and really exploring and uncovering what's hidden. And the first episode we ever did on the podcast was the five W's of occultism. And the first W was, well, what is the occult? The occult is all the energies beyond the right. five sense reality, you know? And so this is, um, this is going to be just a continuation of a lot of these conversations. But there's a reason why there was so much excitement when we reached this point, because this is this is a subject that resonates with each and every one of us. And again, it doesn't matter if you have prominent placements in Scorpio. It's very important to understand, just like all the other 12 zodiac signs. But this is going to be one that really... Um, you know, this is, it's really aligned with kind of all of our pursuits of looking deeper into the self, looking at the shadow and, you know, furtherly incorporating that into the wholeness of who we are. And so, um, yeah, man, I'm, I'm so excited to kind of jump in to this conversation and, um, you know, I'll kind of open the floor to you because I know we have a lot of things we wanted to go. Um, but you're right. These, these final conversations of the Zodiac sign are always more of a organic dialogue. You know, it's my favorite Spanish word I remember learning in Spanish class was charlar. 
And that's exactly what we do. We kind of chit chat about the sign here. Um, and so I'm excited to jump in and uh, go uh, investigate a little bit deeper into the sign that really craves us to go down that rabbit hole. If it's such a powerful um, fixed sign that allows us to go deeper and to have this um, this sort of uh, motive to go down the esoteric or go down the mysteries that are out there and sort of really confront them full force. And it's a constructive energy if you know how to sort of express it because there's a lot of it, right? So an abundance of this energy that can be felt. But that's something I really wanted to open up right there is that, you know, the negativity that comes with it is so, you know, that the, 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 the poison that the tail carries in the scorpion, but that's something that I, I kind of want to, you know, have, um, a back and forth conversation with you right off the, right off the bat, because I know that when we started with the labor and we understood what the labor, um, entailed and, and how it was going to reveal itself with the nine heads of the Hydra, but also coming into the subconscious and understanding the shadow self again, to people who are so willing to investigate the sign, there's so much to this, you know, um, this energy and this force, you know, and people, I think, just look at it from the exoteric perspective rather than the esoteric. So the irony that I'm getting at is that you have this energy that is in wanting to intrigue your curiosities, as you were just describing, uh, being the investigator, but it also has a deflector in its own way uh, again, hypocritically speaking, where you don't want to go that deep. Like some people are not mm -hmm. ready to go that deep, but yet it's an intriguing, it, that's what intrigues me about it, is, you know what I'm saying? It's kind of like, if you're not ready to go and see the shadow self, then it won't present itself to you. And the, the alignment you must find within this energy is very precise. I know that in the Alice Bailey lectures, they talk about that, that if you're ready to shed this side of yourself, the disciple must, you know, have a full, um, emotional and physical, um, uh, alignment to the mind uh, as it functions as one unit. But if it doesn't, you know, it's it can be pretty harsh. It can be, you know, hey, until next time, until you come back around, you'll see, you know, how to 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 make this more tangible. And so I just thought that was a place that I wanted to begin this conversation with with Scorpio is not so much the the negativity that comes with it, but the difficulty of transmuting this uh, energy, even though it's lending itself to you to go there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. If that makes sense. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, you know, of course, all of the Zodiacs are going to have a dark side uh, that we're not becoming aware of, and it creates those projections that we're talking about. Um, but Scorpio is interesting because it begs for us to see and to go deeper inside of ourselves. Um, and if we don't do that, and if we have a fear, well, that energy is still going to find expression. So what we're going to do is it's just going to be projected outside of us. And all of this destruction is going to happen in our external world. And so there's really no getting away from this energy. It's, you know, once you actually start to make that choice, if I need to look inside to help me understand what's coming and what's creating on the external. Um, and so there's a lot of, you know, a lot of responsibility comes as we start progressing through the Zodiac and awareness that, hey, I don't really have a choice in this. Like either I, you know, I change this or I can continue to see the same cycles and patterns manifesting out in front of me. And that's exactly what we're looking at, mm. what we do with our creative energy. We are from the creators, so we are creators. So we have that creative aspect 
creation is going to happen in the human experience carrying the soul. We're going to create. Scorpio is going to really ask us, what are you creating? And from what level are your creating are your creations getting manifested from? Um, and that's really what kind of will kind of give us a deeper understanding of this sign. And you know, we spoke about it earlier. Scorpio is three signs in one. And I think that's going to be one of the ways to kind of look at this and to explore. Because with Scorpio, what we're going to learn as we kind of go up these levels is there's only really one true output of this energy. And it's from the spiritual as this right. spiritual component. It's not from the mental and it's not from the physical. But we we have to live those cycles and patterns and kind of get stuck on that hamster wheel before we actually make that free will choice to start to perceive this from a higher more, you know, rather than being on the chessboard, becoming the chess master, um, how we become the master of that energy and not let that energy, you know, rule us, but we rule it. Um, and so we're going to look at this kind of this creative component. And, you know, one thing right off the bat, just to kind of clear up some, maybe some confusion on this topic, Scorpio is always going to be represented by three different signs. Now, depending on the mystical school and the ancient teaching, there could be different archetypes that are put into place for those three levels. Don't get worried and get caught up about arguing what mystery school was right for what archetype. You're going to see sometimes it's going to be kind of set up as the snake, the scorpion, the eagle. You might see it as the scorpion snake, the eagle. Sometimes the eagle's replaced by a phoenix. Sometimes it's three different things. But what we're really looking at here is it's it's a you know it's like a trinity of experience of where we can output this energy and that's all that matters we don't need to argue about what school was right on this like today we're going to kind of just go from the idea of like the snake scorpion eagle and talk about how the eagle represents the phoenix and so if you are in a school that teaches the scorpion the snake the eagle that's totally fine. It's because it's just showing you the, the three different kind of steps of transformation. The three is so much more important here, not so much the details of like what's represented right. by the three. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Absolutely. So, I know that um, in, in the lecture with Alice Bailey, they talk about the personality in the quote. It says, the personality is not to be killed, not to be stamped out. It is to be recognized as a triple channel of expression for three divine aspects. Mm -hmm. And so I'm not sure if you're alluding to that with those three aspects, but I mean, it makes sense to me on, you know, what the message is really uh, intended for rather than just like breaking it down in an order that needs to, you know, be presented by whatever mystery school wants to present it by, um, you know, you don't want to miss the mark. You know? Sure. You know, don't, don't get caught up in the argument of whose crystal is bigger and brighter you know, that's especially something we have to look at with the age of Aquarius. Like, we need to really move away from this idea of my mystery school is better than your mystery school. You, as we go to this age of Aquarius, it's all about networking all of this esoteric information that humans have collected through their history and making a network of this understanding. And so that means that, like, you can study, like myself, I read astrology for people with whole sign tropical readings. That doesn't mean I ignore Vedic. No, I look at Vedic all the time. Vedic has taught me so much about my life. You know, there's certain things that Vedic astrology that 
really kind of illuminates what I'm supposed to be doing with my tropical signs and how I kind of go from the clay to reach the stars. It's all about the incorporation of information. We live in the age of information, and we really need to start honoring that as a blessing from the universal life force that we do have access to all of the mystery information that's connected in humanity, because we're not, you know, people see colors as, you know, gender, color of skin, and all of these things. It's the same energy that's pumping all of our hearts. We're not different. It's the human experience. You're tied to everything. And so say you like to study, you know, you really resonate with um, like Native American esoteric understanding and wisdom. That's great. But that doesn't mean you can't look at, you know, the wisdom of the Druids. That doesn't mean you can't look at pre-colonial Africa, you know, esoteric traditions. We need to be open to all of these networks and really kind of, again, making like a golden thread around all this information and incorporating the whole human experience, because that's what we're supposed to be doing in the age of Aquarius. This isn't a time to be fighting over religions. This is the time to be coming together that be like, oh, all of these books are talking about the same energy. Um, and that's what we're kind of, uh, you know, approaching exactly. with this idea with Scorpio, you know? And it's and it's really good, because like, you know, I it's it's amazing what you when you start to incorporate that. Like my Capricorn moon in the rodeo of all the planets that are next to it makes so much more sense when I study it in alignment with my Vedic moon, which would be Sagittarius. And it gives me such a better understanding. The tropical is like the clay that we're formed from, and the Vedic is the energy of the stars. And it tells me, you know, Daniel, when you have discipline, and you really have structure, and you have a direction in your life, you can manifest this Sagittarius moon. And that's when Mr. Fun Pants comes out. And that's when like Daniel, the part of the fun time and that good energy, you know, really kind of comes out, but it always comes with discipline. You know, it always comes with discipline and understanding what I'm supposed to work I'm supposed to be doing. So that can kind of manifest out. And, you know, in accordance with Scorpio, the discipline that my soul requires for Mr. Fun Pants to come out, well, that's a cycle and pattern. And at certain points, a certain level of discipline served me f- so I could have that expression. And then as I mature and as I grow and as I go through spiritual evolution, that discipline, that cycle of discipline and that allegiance to that discipline dies and is reborn in a, a deeper understanding of what discipline is. You know, like now for Mr. Fun Pants to come out, I have to be spiritually disciplined. Well, in my early years, that wasn't so much required. It was more of the discipline of like my school studies. And, you know, I could still do shenanigans, but I couldn't get caught for shenanigans. You know what I mean? Like that was where my discipline kind of came in, but it evolves. This whole process of Scorpio is talking about cycles and patterns, how this evolves and how cycles and patterns are always operating within us. There's no denying it. You know, everything in this moment right now, you and me coming together is the result of a cycle and pattern. You know, everything, it's just collapsing in the moment now. And everything in the future is going to be a result of a cycle and pattern that either we create today or we further keep nurturing through putting energy towards it. And what's so What's so um, like mystical about the Scorpio is we're not very aware of our cycles and patterns. You know, as we enter Scorpio, we also enter the eighth house, the fourth house, the eighth house, and the twelfth house, all dealing with traditional water sign placements and the traditional wheel. 
all have to do with the dark aspects of our consciousness. In the fourth house, we talked about cycles and patterns that were kind of imposed on us as a child. We didn't have a lot of choices in it, and cycles and patterns that were created that we, you know, we kind of attach to. And we talk about that as the adult of going back to your inner child and either maybe destroying old cycles and patterns that no longer serve you, or maybe like reconnecting to some that you had to move away from. You know, you might have been told by your art teacher that you weren't talented. So you release that cycle of a creative expression. Well, you need to find that as an adult, as a, as an adult, because that art teacher was a punk. You are a painter. Like you do have expression, but you let one person's personality push you away from that. And so, you know, the fourth house, when we were talking about cancer, that's the cycles and patterns of early childhood. Well, now what we're doing in Scorpio, this is cycles and patterns as an adult, the ball's in your court now. You can't blame your family. You can't blame your environment. You can't blame like the traumatic upbringing. And not saying that you didn't have a traumatic upbringing, but now the universe is like, well, what are you going to do? Now that you are the creator, now that you are the music maker, what are you going to do? And if we don't do this in an educated, spiritual way, we create destruction in our lives. You know, we create habits, we create um, dependency, addictions, all of the things that can kind of come from this when we're not actually aligning ourselves with the true use of this energy. Um, and so the eighth house is a dark part of our brain. You know, um, humans are very robotic. You know, there's a reason why our phones are called androids, um, because we do get in a robotic process. And now there's certain things that that's great for, um, not for your spiritual development to get kind of caught into a loop. And that's what we're really going to be kind of looking at today um, with the three levels. And so, um, you know, that's what we're going to kind of continue this discussion with. But does that make sense with the idea of cycles and patterns and how they're different in the eighth house from the fourth house cycles and patterns? Absolutely, man. I mean, to my understanding, and it kind of segues us into a little more about death and rebirth, you know, that is the death that, that we have been trying to unfold is the cycle and pattern. Once it's recognized, it must die to evolve into, you know, the room you've made to be into that higher self, that higher Christ consciousness, as it's said, and evolve away from the lower self. But it's, it's so hard, the distinction between the two. I think that the black and white definition of a lower self and, and higher self, I think, is, is so much more complex based on these cycles and patterns you're describing. Because you're right, we can crystallize, as it's said, or carry the weight of what someone might have told us in the past of our younger selves, what we could or could not do with that self-expression. But really, at some point, you must free yourself from the idea that also trapped you into not making any progress. And I think that's where death really comes in. That's the death that you should celebrate is the death that you have separated or at least, um, you know, severed in a way that the lower self does not pertain mm -hmm. to the higher self. They're, they're not evolving together. Um, they're just, it's ready to be shed and it's up to you on how to, uh, sure. you know, get rid of that weight that is carrying you down. And so that's something I think, I don't know if our listeners were, you know, um, unaware of, of this death and rebirth that we were talking about, but most of the people that listen to this, um, newcomers or old are far more intelligent <laughs> than, than me. I can say that because they completely understand this information. Um, because they're intrigued by this information and being intrigued by this information has already put you on a path to want to not only evolve for yourself, but also let go of that lower self that maybe not serves us any purpose. And so 
I don't, I know I don't have to clearly make that distinction between um, that death and rebirth, but it, for me, it was definitely a process to sort of understand, you know, it's like, is this my time? Uh, or is it always happening, you know, and how is it happening? You know, what is this Scorpio energy really trying to teach me? Mm -hmm. Am I supposed to run away from this energy and abstain myself from all the temptations that are out there and then just wait for it to pass? Or am I supposed to acknowledge all the temptations and know which ones serve me a purpose and which ones don't and which ones do I let die and which ones do I maybe, uh, allow to, uh, show me a new pattern, you know, with, with those cycles. Absolutely. Sure. You know, and this is, this is like a, a multi-step process too, because, you know, we kill a lot of patterns and then we don't divert that energy into something that's nurturing for our soul. And the pattern just takes another form. You know, that's like the idea of somebody who like quits cigarettes. That's great. You know, you're, that's a healthy choice for your body. But if you don't take that energy of that we were spending on our cigarettes and maybe like go for a walk instead, or maybe like I read at that time or do something and say you just start like eating Big Macs in the space of that. Well, you've replaced a negative pattern with another negative pattern. You kind of kept it on the same level. We didn't like elevate it and utilize that energy for a higher expression. And so this is also what's so tricky about Scorpio, because sometimes we like kill a pattern, but we replace it with maybe something just as destructive, you know? And so we always, not only do we have to kill it, we really have to give it that Phoenix rebirth of a higher perspective, um, you know, really imbued it with the soul and the spirit. And so when we're kind of looking at these three levels of Scorpio, and like we said, you know, again, you're going to see this in different variations. For today's conversation, we're going to do it as a snake, a scorpion, and an eagle. But again, it's, it's just the three levels that are so important here. And so the first level, which is the snake in this conversation, this is the idea of understanding cycles and patterns in the physical five sense reality, okay? This is why people give Scorpio a bad name. This is why when some people hear Scorpio, they're like, oh, Scorpio, and, like, and they spit on the ground. Because we've all been kind of dealt with the snake oil salesman before. So this is the idea of Scorpios. Scorpios can perceive cycles and patterns. It's, it's just something that comes natural to them. Not only is English their first language because symbolism is their really true language, but cycles and patterns is just something that they see. The Scorpio rising baby understood the connection that when it was hungry, it would cry and the mother would come over and give it milk and satisfy that hunger. They saw that cycle and pattern and they picked up on it very quickly. Where me as a Cancer rising, I was just crying. I was just crying to cry. Like I didn't even see the connection of that cycle and pattern as quickly as the Scorpio would. Scorpios perceive cycles and patterns. And that's very important because again, everything in this moment is the result of a cycle and pattern, um, whether we put it into place or something else in our universe did. And so the snake represents the individual that understands cycles and patterns on a very physical sense. And so we could kind of use the example here as like, the sleazy used car salesman. Not talking about all used car salesmen, um, but we're talking about the one that wants to take advantage. And so this individual is working the lot and he sees maybe a middle-aged man walk in who looks like he has a low self-esteem. And so the snake here says, you know what? I see a cycle and pattern of this individual. He doesn't have a very high self-esteem. He's very, um, you know, 
he he kind of results to what I direct him to. Um, and I, I kind of see weakness here. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to sell him a red convertible that he can't afford. But because I'm going to try to feel an emptiness in him. I'm not really interested in feeling the emptiness in him. This is actually going to cause problems, but it's going to come back for me because I'm going to get a commission from this. So what's good for me is good for me. So the Scorpio, again, and he's really good at this, and they're really good at talking at cycles and patterns and fill in the voids and understanding what you're thinking inside your head, that they can really kind of create this. Um, Now, not all Scorpios operate on this lower aspect. Most of them don't. But the thing is, is we've all had an experience where somebody's kind of deceived us before, and it makes a huge impression on our consciousness. And so this is why people do have a like a tough energy. But most Scorpions don't, Scorpios operate from this lowest physical version. Most of them are going to operate in the second version. And the second version is the idea of undering cycles and patterns on the mental landscape, okay? And so what we have here with the scorpion is it's, you know, it's a little bit more agile of a predator than the snake. It's not just stuck into the ground. It has to slither on the ground. The scorpio can climb up walls. You know, it's got this kind of this awareness and everything about it. But the problem with the Scorpio is the Scorpio represents the idea of like mentally understanding cycles and patterns and trying to solve cycles and patterns from the mental perspective. And so what we find with the Scorpio, though, is the Scorpio like senses heat. And so when we do get into like a situation of anger or we're scared, the Scorpion usually stings itself when it's scared, and it actually stings its own back. So the scorpion's biggest predator most of the time is itself. Because of fear, it panics and it and it cuts, you know, it stings its own back. Well, this is what the mental aspect of understanding cycles and patterns does. Because you can't solve anything from the mental, because when you do have fear, you kind of destroy yourself. You can't die on the mental a mental breakdown isn't something that really brings a lot of clarity. You just lose senses of all your senses because your body is is craving to have a death and rebirth, but the death and the rebirth doesn't happen on the mental. The death and the rebirth doesn't happen on the physical. The death and the rebirth has to happen on that third level, which is what we're representing as the eagle. Right. Now, all of a sudden, you have a bird's eye, you know, did you want to say anything, my friend? No, no, no. Keep going, man. I, uh, I think where you're oh, taking okay. this is okay. exactly perfect. where I, I wanted to go. So go ahead. Okay, perfect, perfect. And so, like we just said, the the scorpion has a better awareness of cycles and patterns. And you know, they they not they're not as they have a mental code about them as well. You know, they're not going to do pain and take advantage of somebody because it's just not their mental code. They know to do better than that. But what we're going to see is as we go to that third level, this is where we have the eagle. And all of a sudden, we have a bird's eye view of all of our cycles and patterns as they're collapsing. And if the eagle turns its head to the left, we can see the causal factor, where these cycles and patterns began, how they were nurtured, and how they're collapsing in the moment. And then if the eagle looks to the right, it could see the potential occurrences and, and manifestations that these cycles and patterns that are processing and unfolding and being nurtured and created 
will bring to us into the future. And so it has a, a bird's eye view of the cycles and patches. It spiritualizes it. It gets that higher perspective. So we have a like a chess master's awareness of the board rather than just being a pawn of this energy and not knowing what's even moving us. Well, now we see the source of it. And what's beautiful about the eagle is if it sees a cycle and pattern that's no longer serving it, the eagle, from its high perspective, swoops down and just picks up that the prey. It just picks up the cycle and pattern. There's no struggle. When the scorpion sees a cycle and pattern, it's a ground to ground fight and a bunch of dust comes up in the air. And we don't know if the pattern survived or the scorpion survived until the dust settles. And even if the scorpion was successful, it's damaged. It can't continue the journey. It's like limping for the rest of it. Well, because it's not the operate that way way we want to hunt our cycles and patterns. It doesn't need to be a hand to hand, you know, round-by-round boxing match. No, we take it from the higher perspective that the eagle shows us, and it really allows us to swoop down and change those cycles and patterns with as little disturbance and occurrence in the physical. You know, like when a bird sweeps down and takes its prey, if you're not watching it and you look away, you're like, what happened? That happened so quickly. It was so swift. Well, that's what this higher perspective does. We don't have to go to battle with this. You know, we don't have to run in there with the swords. We come in from a higher perspective and we we just nip it right there. And we just kind of take that cycle out. And then we can kind of, from that highest perspective, direct that energy to more of a spiritual direction. Um, and that's what that eagle is going to represent, but this is also what the phoenix is going to represent. Um, with that archetype, they're, they're meaning the same things. And again, we have to, there's only one way you can die and be reborn. It's on the spiritual. And what we learned from Scorpio is when we start creating cycles and patterns and nurturing cycles and patterns from the spiritual fountain of life, it makes its way down. And it nurtures the mental. It nurtures the physical. But if we're just at the mental, it's just going to nurture the physical. And if we're just at the physical, it just stays as like a, you know, stagnant water on the bottom. There's only one way. There's only one source of this energy. And it has to come from the top and it makes its way down. Um, And then everything gets the satisfaction. Everything gets understanding. We can really make our cycles and patterns in the direction of our spiritual aspirations and then our mental and our physical needs will be met. Um, and again, we'll get what we need more than what we want, because what we truly want is, you know, wholeness, oneness, the connection to the universal life force. That's that's the pattern that we're sending our cycles and patterns into that direction. Everything else will come in accordance to it. Um, and that's what we're truly trying to manifest. And that's when the phoenix is born. That's when we die from the ashes and we're reborn as this new self. And we've been, you know, We've died so we can really face death in the truest sense. Um, but, you know, this as this energy is begging for you to die, you can't die on the physical. You can't die on the mental. You can only truly die on that spiritual level. Um, and that's what that those three levels kind of speak about. And, you know, I, you know, when you sent me the, and I know this is something that's been on your mind because when we were sending messages back and forth today, you sent me the image of the Mexican flag. And that's exactly what represents on the Mexican right. flag. It's the evil, it's the eagle overtaking the snake. It's the spiritual aspirations overtaking the mental desires. It's that spiritual inspiration taking away from that, you know, that physical or that mental ego. It's the higher overtaking the lower. Um, this is the path. This is and this is what we're seeing Hercules go through and 
you know, this is what we're all kind of going through. Um, and so it's a, you know, it's just a kind of a fascinating way to kind of understand this and look at it. Um, but it's so important. We all have to go through this transformation. We all have to kind of go through this transmutation. Um, and there's, you know, there's no place for the soul here. The soul is from the eternal, and that's where we have to make it back. And now we use the body and the human experience to collect wisdom and unconditional love to make that happen. Um, but it's 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 you know it's not just about the physical body. You know we 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 are a soul that has a body. We're not a body that has a soul. Um, and that's a big thing that we kind of learn with Scorpio and these and these kind of three levels. Bravo, man. Um, it's it's so not just interesting to hear this perspective and breakdown of, of these three levels that you put so well, but also in accordance to everything that we've been discussing with Alice Bailey, I, I think you've summed it up just beautifully. I mean, there's a quote, there's two quotes that I like from Alice Bailey, and, they, and if you have the book of the labors of Hercules, I, I believe this would be on page 83. But at the very bottom, there's a quote that says, I am having such a difficult time. My environment is against me. My home conditions are difficult, but I will get a crown someday. Quote, Hercules, the disciple, is not concerned about the crown. He is looking at the eagle, the spirit aspect. He's occupied with that marvelous symbol of light emerging, which all victory is possible. And then the last thing that I really like that Alice Bailey puts in there, it says, keep your eye on the eagle. Call down fire. Do not look at the ground. Be centered in divinity. And so to wrap up everything you said, mm. I think that you and Miss Bailey here would have uh, a, a great way of, of putting this so eloquently as you just did um, with not only the labor of Hercules, but also the understanding of those three aspects and what it really represents um, outside of the physical body. And so very good, man. Very, very inspirational to wrap it all up. Yeah, no, and beautiful words. Thank you for sharing those quotes, man. Um, she really, again, a master of of this of this subject. And um, you know, we we just can't stress enough how important cycles and patterns are, and getting to the causal factor of cycles and patterns because that's how we find the shadow, and that's how we actually go to explore it. It's it's at the cause. It's at the seed. You know the the. The seed of every problem is also the solution. And that's what we kind of want to look at. You know, again, a lot of times we talk in here about like old wise tales, right? Um, and sayings that we don't really like understand, like we don't really think about until we really start thinking about it. We've talked about like why walking under a ladder is bad year, seven years of bad luck. Well, you miss that opportunity to go to the next level. You'll read in a lot of old occult books that you shouldn't watch. If you see a black cat crossing a road, it's bad luck to keep your eyes on it the entire time and watch it cross the road. There's deep significance here. The black cat represents your shadow and it represents the cycle and pattern that's operating. You watching the cycle and pattern just go by, you're missing the point. Where did the cat come from? Where, did the, where was the source? Where did the black cat come from? That's what you're supposed to look. You're not supposed to follow its eyes and watch the pattern just unfold in front of you. Where did the cat come from? That's why it's bad luck because you missed the opportunity of seeing the shadow at its source mm. and actually getting down to the root of where this is operating and how it's kind of manifesting. Every saying, every wise tale, every tradition like that, 
there's deep significance in all of those when you start thinking about them in astrological viewpoints, because that's why they were created. At no point did they think that if you watched a black cat cross a road, it was going to be bad luck. It was just saying, you missed the opportunity of seeing the source of some of your negative cycles and patterns and how they're kind of manifesting themselves. Um, and that's that's a really important thing to look at, you know, getting to the causal factor. You know, that's what Scorpio is all about. You know, Scorpio is interested in the underworld. You know, Scorpio, you know, the Scorpio is who enters the cave, you know, with with like confidence. And it's a different kind of warrior. You know, it's not the same warrior that we kind of saw with Mars. It's kind of a different kind of expression. Well, and so, think, you know, Scorpio is... Yes. Oh no, so what I was going to say, uh, I man, I didn't mean to cut you off, but you just said just sort of like... <laughs> What intrigued me about it is, you know, we talk about their, the sensitive environment uh, or the the intensity of of Scorpio, but also when you talk about all the things that, especially with this, um, in regards to the black cat going by and just, you know, not knowing where the source comes from, this energy is giving you this um, opportunity to seek that spiritual regeneration that I was talking about, that basically wanting to go deeper mm -hmm. with the energies that influence it. And those energies, if you're ready to talk about it, is something also I had questions about, those energies that are influenced by those two planets. You just talked about Mars, and there's also Pluto. And I want to hear a little bit about that, uh, or as much as you want to go about it, but I think it's interesting that, uh, you know, you need that energy for transformation. Um but you need that aggression as well from Mars to help you kind of complete this journey of what's going on from where the cat is actually crossing the road, where the shadow self is actually coming from. Like you, you are giving this, you've been given this, um, not this power, but this ability to actually go deeper to find out the source and the causal effect of that source. Um, rather than just letting it go by and just saying, Oh, look at me. I can acknowledge that there it goes. It's going right past me. It's like, that's great. But that's just like, that's not where it starts. You know what I mean? That's where it just sort of passes by. You. Sure. Um, and so I thought that was a great, Absolutely. I haven't even heard that before, man. So that was the first time I've heard that with regards to a black cat and that interpretation of that. So that's super fitting, you know? And it's going to be really interesting because you spoke about the two ruling planets and truly the traditional ruling planet was Mars of Scorpio. And then in more modern astrology, um, it's been ruled by Pluto. And that was a great discovery when we s finally discovered Pluto, because it gave us a really deeper understanding of not only the sign, but how this energy operates in us, especially generationally. And we're going to get into that. Um, but it does it. We do be kind of have to become like a warrior on the emotional plane of taking a stand against, you know, I'm no longer going to allow my lower emotional desires to create my life for me. I'm going to take a charge of this. I have to implant the will, the will. I really have to activate the will to overcome these cycles and patterns because again, these, these are dark parts of our consciousness. This is something that not only is it difficult to find, it's also very scary when we find it. Um, and so there's a lot of stuff, there's a lot of things that we have to do to transmute um, and actually bring in that healing energy as Scorpio. It's so interesting. Scorpio is the sign of death, but it's also the sign of the healer. Um, the best healers come from Scorpio because healers have to understand the cause of the problem. So they have to investigate and they have to go deeper into a mm. subject. And that's what makes healers so uh, great and amazing. Um, you know, and that's all different kinds of healers. That could be a, a spiritual shaman, medicine woman to your doctor. It's, it's all the same kind of energy. They're, 
They're trying to do a diagnosis. They're going through knowledge. Dia to go through, gnosis, knowledge, go through knowledge to get the solution. And so they go through the idea of what is the causal factor of this problem. And that's the best healer, not the person who just like hits you with like a Winnie the Pooh band-aid and, and sends you on your way. You got to get to the causal factor. Um, and that's really what that that Scorpio like, you know, yearns for us to understand. It like begs for us to understand what's hidden inside of us. And it will keep bringing it to the external world. It will keep bringing us through the fires of hell. It will keep destroying us with the emotional waters of life if we don't, you know, dive down into its depths. You know, even as a culture, we have explored the top of the ocean. We know where the oceans are. We have no idea what's going on below them, you know, past a couple miles. You know, even with the idea of like our earth, you know, like we get this idea. And again, I'm not trying to um, make anybody upset. I have no, I've never been to the center of the earth. I don't know what's there. Um, but, you know, we've only drilled, I think, nine miles deep into the surface of the earth. But we have all of these posters as children telling us all the various layers that it comes to until you get to the core. And this very much might be the case. I don't know. I've never been to the center of the earth. But you know, there's this idea of like, Scorpio is like, well, how the hell do you know that? And Scorpio is the kid that asked those questions. Scorpio's like, well, how do you know what the center of the earth is like? And well, the teacher's like, well, um, because the scholastic book fair that I get all my teaching supplies sent me this poster and they wouldn't lie to you. And then you get later as a Scorpio and you're like, bullshit, everybody's been lying to me. <laughs> like Scorpios are the investigators. They ask, you know, they ask the best questions. They're the ones in summer school, I mean, in Sunday school that are asking the questions that are making the teacher really nervous because they're looking at it deeper than the teacher did. The teacher bought the surface level. She bought the surface level of the ocean. And this Scorpio is Scuba Steve, and he's going really, really deep, and he's really trying to get to the essence right. of that. Well, that's what you know. That's what this energy is going to represent is like the depthness of this, and it's kind of like the idea is like you study Scorpio with Mars; it's like the surface of this energy, and then Pluto, the esoteric. Well, that's the deepest of the rabbit holes, right there. Um, you know, Pluto is is represented in mythology by Hades. Uh, it's the Lord of the Underworld, and we are called to become the Lord of the Underworld and to understand that our demons that are unincorporated have the potential to be angels. You know, the sinner can become a saint with transmutation. you know? And so <clears throat> Pluto is really asking for us to gain command of our shadow and to explore it. And we do that, again, through death and rebirths. And Pluto brings that idea. And wherever Pluto is, because it's the planet that rules Scorpio, it really calls for the deepest significance in that area of life. And so, like, whatever area of life, whatever house you find Pluto in, you're going to have to look at that life through a spiritual lens. Like, we kind of spoke about it in um, when we were talking about Taurus, but we remember talking about Taurus and we were talking about the second house and how it deeply more represents security. But if you read it in like a traditional, like more of your like run of the mill astrology book, it's going to say possessions. Right. Well, what it's saying there is like if you have Pluto in the second house, you can't buy a car to compete with the Joneses. You can't. Because if you buy a car just to compete with your neighbor, Pluto's going to either repo that car, make that car a lemon. Or every time you're like shutting your garage and you're looking at that car, you'll be like, 
I hate that freaking car. Like, it will do that for us. Like, if we don't have a spiritual connection to our possessions, it will take them away. Pluto has no problem burning everything to the ground because Pluto knows everything's going to turn to dust anyways, and you just allow it to do it. You know, Pluto in your 10th house of career, if you don't have like a deep connection that this cycle and pattern of your career is fulfilling you in the deepest possible way, Pluto will burn down your nine to five office building. Like it just doesn't care. It will get you fired for stupid reasons. Like it wants you to see the deeper cycles and patterns of your life. And so Pluto represents very similar energy as Scorpio. Cycles and patterns, the understanding of death, you know, secrets, secrets, what is hidden. You know, we talked about it earlier with the occult, but Scorpio is also secrets. And what's the greatest secret in life? What happens when you die? That's why it rules death. We don't know. Now, we, we can, through mystical understanding and connecting to our higher selves, we can be instructed, but we truly don't know. That's a secret that we, we have to uncover, and we won't know fully until we fully experience it. But it's the ultimate secret, you know, and this is also why death is hidden from us. This is why we bury our dead. We don't see them. Like, we don't just see the dead on the streets. Like, they're always buried, and they're put into a place, or they're cremated. Um, they have to be hidden from us. It's because like that that aspect of consciousness of the mystery of death almost has to be hidden for us. So we kind of continue on this path of exploring what does come from death. And that's why we're asked to do it, so we can be more comfortable with the ultimate test, um, which will be, like we were saying last time, um, when that father time comes and whispers our name to us. Um, and so, you know, this um, <laughs> this energy with you know, Mars and Pluto, um, especially Pluto. We, Pluto is, I wanted to say, um, and we were just running through these numbers and I, I knew it's every 20 years Pluto goes into a new sign. Right. So I believe it's it's for like one rotation around the sun, it's 248 years for the planet Pluto. Um, and so we were kind of talking about this before, how, you know, Pluto moves signs every 20 years this is the generational differences in generations. This is why people can say like, oh, this generation is not like the last generation or they're so different or they could be even like critical of it. It's because of Pluto. Pluto is actually what teaches us the generational currents and the relationships to cycles and patterns. Um, and that's really why it kind of makes its way. And that's why like the Pluto and Sagittarius generation was a little bit more connected to like these bigger ideas of like the aspirations we can come. They're like they're almost like the phoenix that can be created from the ashes. Um, this is again why, you know, that generation really started the trend of being like more environmentally conscious. Now there was obviously people environmentally conscious, but it was a big shift from the Pluto and Scorpio generation to the Pluto and Sagittarius. Um, you know, I always kind of talk about it, and I hate to repeat myself if I've spoke about this on the podcast before, but it was very interesting, like, how people play catch up to Pluto, because they don't understand it. Um, and, you know, I think there's um, bigger reasons why Pluto was um, planet status was taken away. Um, I don't think it was just because it didn't fit the model. I think if people started understanding Pluto more, a lot of changes would start happening in our societies and bigger awarenesses. But we, what we do now is we're, rather than proactive with Pluto energy, we're very reactive. And what that does is we can't catch up to Pluto. So like, we had a generation that, yeah, was like, you know, 
was really boiling water with Pluto with Scorpio. Um, well, the thing was, is that boiling water was also shot out at other individuals at our age. We did have some nasty things that children would say. We had a lot of bullying. Like there was a lot of animosity with like between people and groups at that time. And you really had to belong to your group. And there was always like this head-to-head combat. Well, schools started to see this like raising and bullying and this raising and aggression and students' behaviors. So they went and they made all of these anti-bullying campaigns, right? And they were able to roll them out just in time for that transition for the Pluto and Sagittarius kids. And I was a school teacher. I got to watch this happen. We would be on like a three-day bully conference, conferencing for like anti-bullying. And like the star jock football player would like stand up and be like, can you just tell me who the bully is? Because I'll beat him up. But there's no bullies here. Like, we're not doing any of this stuff that you're all telling us that we're doing. They're like, no, we're, we're accepting. We, we don't care that the video game kids want to play their video games. Let them play video games. If those kids want to play magic cards, let them play magic cards. They had a bigger overarching philosophy where for us, it was like, if you were different, we had to like see who was better. When they were like, they, they were more evolved on it. And they were, they, you know, they were the ones that would be like, oh, like if plastic forks are going to be bad for the environment, I don't need them. You know, they were like, they were really kind of great at that. Um, now, they don't see cycles and patterns as good as the Pluto and Scorpio generation does. Um, but we don't balance ourselves as good as the Libra and Pluto generation did. And we don't go through, when we go through evolution and spiritual rebirth, we don't come out with a more balanced way like the Libras do. So everybody's got to have their unique characteristic that they bring to the evolution of human consciousness. Um, but being aware of where you are there and understanding that energy is really key for like the generational goals of of that collective consciousness that took its breath at the first time. Um, you know, like one other explanation of this, if you if you're denying or you're doubting what I'm saying, just look up commercials, especially kids' commercials in the 1990s when this Pluto and Scorpio generation was coming of age to watch the television when they were like four to twelve years old. Watch how weird they are. They are really interesting. They're so different than all of the other generation's commercials that came because they target the Pluto. They Marketers understand this energy. You know, again, JP Morgan said it best. Millionaires don't believe in astrology. Billionaires do. This is something that's known. They, they discredit this because then they could use it against us. But when we become aware, we go from being reactive to proactive. Um, and that's what we really kind of see. But it's a fascinating thing to see how they speak to the new generation of where Pluto is. And you can really gain a lot of understanding of why generations go through their trends, you know, why one generation was okay, you know, with beepers and cars, and then the other generation wanted to like push all that away. And they wanted nothing to do with the nine to five work week, or the idea of working at one company forever. Um, it's a generational, it's a Pluto thing. And it's deep inside of our psyche. It it regulates and directs our desires in different directions so the universal consciousness can continue its evolution of unfoldment. Awesome. I think you, you, you explain a very micro effect uh, in a macro sense, but a micro effect of this Kali Yuga mm -hmm. energy that we've mm -hmm. talked about before. But I agree with some of the experiences that you and I have had. Um, you know, I, I was very self-aware of what was happening with a destructive pattern of 
traditions that didn't serve at least my perspective and and more so in regards to like maybe the tradition mm-hmm. of the nine to five or being a valedictorian of your school or making the dean's list whatever it might be like i remember during that time um and you remember this version of me this is like right after the veil was pulled from me uh when i was about 12 12 to 14 years old i realized you know what i was living in um, no longer had a, its purpose and no longer had its um, influence on me. But rather than just walking away or standing by it, I also poked at it and picked at it. And I know people like my own family, my own father, my own grandfather were like, why is why is he so adamant about taking this apart? Um, you know, I could maybe understand if he doesn't agree with a traditional way of going about this path but he also wants to destroy it. And at that age, you know, being a young adolescent, you know, individual with a lot of energy to express, I didn't even recognize why I was needing to take it apart, but it was necessary to take it apart. And then eventually having a new generation rebuild it with comfort and ease that is able to, um, you know, show you why you even decided mm-hmm. to, to take it apart. You know what I'm saying? So like the, the nine to five is one thing where people are like, I don't understand why these people don't just want to enjoy, uh, the, you know, this, this position that they've been given, stay comfortable in the position that they have given. The room is air conditioned. They have benefits. They have a, a 401k. And at the end they'll live a very, you know, comfortable life in retirement. And they would literally be s- surprised as to why we were so, unwilling to adapt to that um but now i think there's there's sort of it's kind of rebalanced itself out where there's a there's a better way of going about it without having to be so destructive so i do agree that that generational period that we were in we were like no this form of doing things needs to kind of be taken apart uh and reassembled but um i think understanding the reassemble uh portion of it all is is where you can really reap the benefits of of that destruction or that destruction yeah. period. So I think it's very fascinating, man, with this, especially mm-hmm. with, with Pluto. Well, Pluto energy. and Scorpio teaches you, you know, destruction. So you're not ultimately destroyed. And so little destruction. So you're, you know, your complete right. annihilation does not happen. Um, and so we do have to have little deaths to avoid, you know, that physical death of, you know, leaving this place earlier before our soul can learn all of the lessons that it needs to continue on its evolution. Um, and so, yeah, you know, fascinating when we look at Pluto and the intensity that it brings and, you know, what it does for cycles and patterns and just the significance of life that it really kind of puts focus on and the intensity. I mean, this is the planet of intensity, you know, life and death and the struggle and the desire, all very intensive energy. And so, you know, we... We're, we, you know, we, we spoke about like the aspect of like the esoteric significance of sex. And I know that's going to be something that we go deeper in. I know we're going to go deeper into the topic of death. Um, and, you know, one other thing that I really wanted to connect about this, this Scorpio energy. Um, also, you know, you think about Scorpio, it's the eighth sign of the zodiac. The number eight is the sign of affinity, um, you know shipped over um, to kind of show that this energy is is infinite inside of you. There's no way to go away from it. Like you just have to figure out how to make it flow through you so you can make it back to the infinite. Um, and that's the real deep understanding of the number eight, that this energy is in you 
infinitely and it's going to need expression, but it's also the gate to get you into that infinite connection and to open that, that, you know, that narrow path to Christ consciousness. And so, you know, we look at the eighth sign and we also want to look at the eighth house. And I know we explored already that the eighth house represents cycles and patterns as an adult. Um, the eighth house is also, you know, because it's like the blending of energies. The eighth house is also where we can go to explore our deeper relationships that actually go above Libra. Um, and that's what we really see. The energies from seven to 11 really start to blend together. Um, you know, because the seven to 11, houses seven to 11 that we started with Libra and now we're in um, Scorpio. It's the external world, and they do start blending together. They're not like principal foundations of our inner consciousness, like the first six houses. They really have this fanning approach, and they really do kind of start blending together. And they're, they're like, the information is like carried over. And so what we had in the seventh house was one-on-one relationships. Well, in the eighth house, we have the blending of those one-on-one relationships into oneness. And this is when we actually can merge with another individual in a spiritual way. But how we're going to merge with somebody in a responsible, spiritual, I guess, way, to repeat myself, um, is by not only gaining awareness of our own cycles, patterns, and aspirations in life, but also gaining awareness of the people who are most important to us, their cycles and patterns, and their aspirations. And what we do in Scorpio is we learn how to merge ourselves in the middle so we could assist each other in the journey to make each other to find home. And so it's not that one bends more than the other. It's not that we are into a relationship and we lose our own identity and become what the other person wants, and it's not that we force them to lose their identity. We maintain our sovereign spiritual identity, but we blend in with somebody else. And this is why Scorpio, about the planet of transmutation, this is very much like the idea of like when you took the rite of passage of becoming a, a husband. You know, you took a new role. You blended your own personal idea to a bigger archetype, which was husband or wife or husband, husband, wife, wife, whatever. Um, we take these new archetypal roles and we blend into them. This is like the idea of fatherhood or motherhood. You know, you take on a higher archetypal identity and you blend your personal self with it. And that's what we really see in this eighth house is the idea of like blending into something bigger. And if you can learn your cycles and patterns and understand your aspirations, and you can understand other people's cycles and patterns and their aspirations, all of a sudden you become part of this infinite energy together. And you be- you've you kind of find the opposite end of your battery terminal. And you can actually really accelerate the spiritual growth and spiritual understanding of others when we make ourselves in those deeper spiritual connections. The eighth house really tells us how long-term relationships are maintained. Because what's needed in a long-term relationship? Without doubt, death and rebirth. How many relationships have we destroyed because we thought it was over, but it was actually just going through a cycle of killing a lower aspect of that relationship and a bigger, more higher aspect was coming through? Now, again, we don't want to do this if we're in a destructive, abusive relationship. Don't use this as like a scapegoat to be like, oh, we're just evolving. Like, no, that's different. But if 
you know, relationships need to be dying to be reborn because we know this, you know, even the idea of like attraction, you know, like I could look at you and be like, oh, what a stud. But after after some time, like we would have to make a deeper connection of the relationship. It can't just all be physical or that's going to dwindle out. Because even if you're with the most beautiful person in the world, you're going to start to be attracted by other things. You need to get, you need to, the relationship to get connected on a deeper level. Cycles, taking relationships through death and rebirths. You know, we need to do this with cycles as an adult. You know, we have to die as the dependent child to be reborn as the independent child of our parents. You know, we have to die from that dependency of them holding us and taking care of us. And then we reform and transmute. We're still their child, but we're on a new level and it's a new connection, you know? And now we're kind of like friends with our parents. Um, It's a different kind of role that kind of takes on there. We always have to die and be reborn with cycles. And again, cycles doesn't always mean that they were always negative. You know, it's, again, like, at one time, I used to carry around a bottle and a blankie. That really served me. That's not going to serve me as much when I'm 25 at the office, carrying around a bottle and a blankie. You know, people would be like, that wasn't a bad pattern, but you holding on to it, now it's become destructive. And so the eighth house really looks at that and asks us in relationships, you know, how do I blend with somebody? You know, because how many of us, too, have a strong spiritual identity And then we go into a relationship and we start like molding to the person who we're in a relationship. And that's fine if you learn good characteristics, but so many of us lose who we were before we went into the relationship. And then it breaks up because the person is like, I didn't want to date myself. I wanted to date you. But as we got into the relationship, you blended into me. And all of a sudden I was dating myself. That's not what attracted me in the first place. I didn't see you and that reminded me of me. I saw you and your spiritual essence and it attracted me and I needed you to maintain it. We have a responsibility to maintain our spiritual identity to the people we love because that's what attracted them to us in the first place. It wasn't us you know, being at their beck and call and completely bending over for them. We have to maintain that and create that foundation so we can survive the death and rebirths together. And so the eighth house really teaches us deeper about how we make spiritual connections with people and how we could actually use another soul to be a generator of energy as we climb up that ladder. Awesome, man. I think that's a great way to conclude Scorpio because, you know, so many of the things I know that we can talk about in regards to the eighth house, um, we've already sort of covered. And I know we're going to go, you know, deeper into that uh, as we unfold um, Sagittarius and we'll talk about, you know, what the ninth house represents. But what I really would take away from some of the things you're saying in in this regards of death and rebirth um, with Scorpio is, you know, it takes a heavy, heavy dose of of this energy in order to rise and be a lighter version of yourself and i think that that's where we must not fear you know because the weight of a tough conversation is ne- is is not easy but it's necessary uh-huh. to be a good friend you know what i mean so like we we avoid those those conflicts because we think oh this is too heavy or this is too dark but we must go to these places in order to come out as that eagle that we talked about and seeing things from a very much higher perspective. Um, but it's not, it's not easy. You know what I mean? And I think that any of the things that we've spoken about throughout the entire um, length of this podcast, we talk about what it takes to better yourself, even through the alchemical transmutation is not easy, but you're given these, these opportunities with, 
you know, these, this power, you know, this passion, you know, people might fear the exoteric, uh, definitions of say even Scorpio's, um, tendency to be jealous, but don't, don't forget that your jealousy may be influenced by your passion and your passion is gold. Your passion is necessary to love the way you were meant to love intently. And so punishing yourself or being so harsh on yourself in this era of Scorpio is not the way to get through it. It's a way to recognize that from that extreme place that it's coming from, there's also something that is going to be fulfilled mm -hmm. authentically. You know what I'm saying? And so, um, again, I don't want to continue adding to everything you just said for the listeners. So I don't reiterate because of what you said was just like right on the money, my friend. I always love to hear your perspective because I don't know if people assume as they listen to these podcast episodes that we're having these conversations over a pint in some pub, which I can't wait to do with you, man. I mean, it's like the only time I really feel like once we sit across from one another, we can open the floor and I'm sure that the walls that surround us would be like, what are these guys going off about? But here on these episodes, at least they're in segments, you know? And so I think that's what's gold about what I can do with you is I wait long enough to hear these perspectives. And then when I finally do, it's almost like I, I don't even know what to say or if I should even contribute because just listening to what your perspective on such an intense topic is um, coming from you is enough for me to say again and again, well said, you know what I mean? And so, and so thank you, my friend, I really do appreciate the time we spend here um, unfolding. This. Yeah. And so anything else you want to add to it? I'm not trying to conclude this, man. I just wanted to know if there's anything else that we're not um, covering here through as we wrap up the eighth house and these three sections that we've done so wonderfully with, uh, if I might say so myself. with uh, Yeah, no, absolutely, man. And, you know, I can't wait to share space with you. Spring break, no parents with Eduardo and Daniel. Yeah, that's going to be so much shenanigans. And I can't wait for those conversations. And, um, you know, and so <laughs> really, really excited. And again, you know, I... I enjoy sharing space with, um, you know, everybody in this community, and I know you do as well. And, you know, w what we do learn with Scorpio is, you know, there is there is a lot of heaviness, and there could be pain that we carry through this life. Um, but, you know, actually, a really wise thing I saw really sums this up. And it actually came from an individual that I think is much more wise um, than the media wants you to believe. Um and this was just a little roll clip I saw from a Shia Buff. Is that his name? Is that the actor who was in um, really good actor? I know him from Even Stevens way back in the day. Which when he was a kid, I was like, that kid is money. Yeah, he's man. so funny, but he's a really successful actor. But I know he's very much like kind of stepped away from this. But he had a great quote um, that I just want to end this with today. And and he's been through a lot. You know, he I, I've known his um you know. He had a kind of a unique father who was really pushing him in the show business and stuff, saw his crazy talent, but he really has kind of been through a lot and a lot of evolution. And he he said a really beautiful quote, and he said, it's all going to be okay in the end. And if it's not okay, well, it's not the end. And I think we need to understand that. You know, we are going, as we go through the spiritual journey, we need to know that, you know, peace and full understanding, everything when we make it to the end of this oneness is going to make sense. And if it doesn't make sense yet, 
Well, it's just not the end. And we're still going through the process. We're still going through those cycles. But think about the pain that we used to have, that we have had peace with, and now we've learned to love through it. And that cycle ended. We learned the understanding. And so if it still hurts, it's just not the end. Um, Because in the end, all will be kind of known and all will be understood if we continue on this spiritual path of, of the alchemist, who's always trying to make their way back from which we came. And so um, I saw that. I loved it. Um, so high five to him for sharing that, because I thought that that was a really powerful quote. And uh, it's definitely going to be something. I thought you were going to talk about him just saying, just do it. <laughs> uh, I, uh, I always uh, really related to that. He has that passionate rant that he has. Um, I don't know where you can find it, but it, it really resonated with me because it's how I felt to approach a lot of people where I'm like, don't worry about this. Don't worry mm. about that. Just do it. Just, just do it. You don't need the permission, f- you know, from anyone. Um, I think he's always been very connected even as a child. And I think that's why we were all able to relate to him. <laughs> sure, and, man. Know, even, even Stevens, which was so great, man, just full of shenanigans. I can't believe we we're concluding with Shia LaBeouf, but shout out to Shia yeah. LaBeouf for sure. If you hear this, <laughs> your, your passionate rants definitely have reached a whole generation um, with, with clarity absolutely man so um yeah um well love it dude i love everything that we we were able to open up um on the floor today including shia labeouf shout out to my uh, fellow gemini there but um one of the things that i really wanted to bring up about the website though is that you know daniel and i are very much the only aside from you know karina helping us build the website uh, great person. We also have another great individual um, that is in the organization with us, and that is Johnny. And we love Johnny. We've known Johnny for a long time. But one of the things that I wanted to mention is, you know, this is Daniel and I doing um, the work that you uh, see um, and listen to, uh, you know, weekly or monthly. And so we, are, uh, once again, I know I don't have to say this, but we're so thankful mm-hmm. for your patience. Uh, we have a lot that we want to continue to express. We want a lot to want to contribute. There's a lot of things that we have spoken about wanting to put together, but it is just us. And as we unfold uh, our own um, experiences and our own studies with this information, you know, you can kind of see and feel how we're shifting with you. You know what I mean? I appreciate that a lot as, as the year is almost coming to its end here and we will be jumping into uh, you know, a new season, I think we're like 110 episodes in or something like that. So it's crazy to think, man, it's such an honor. Um, but uh, Scorpio has definitely been for me something that I want to discuss more about in the future. And I know we're not done there. So uh, this has been really exciting. So thank you again to everyone and to all the members of the website. Uh, if you haven't been to the website, you can see a lot of fun things there at Know Thyself podcast.org if you want to be a member you can sign up and if you want to just continue listening to these episodes by all means um yeah so so grateful and um yeah no beautiful words my friend and so like they say on that podcast um until next time it's like they say until next time